Hi, I'm Callie. And I'm Rachel. And we are Pelvic Service Announcement. I'm so excited for this episode. Every How many- time. <laughs> I wish we kept count of how many times we have said the words. I am so excited. I think every episode. Probably. I think, and it's so funny because it's like we pick the episodes. Right. <laughs> so it's not like we're ever like, I don't want to talk about this. We're not going to pick a topic that we don't want to talk we, about. We sit back there and we're like, what do you want to talk about? And it's like, oh, I want to talk about this. Oh, that's so great. Like, yeah, we have a running list. Yeah. Like we are not running out of ideas probably until 2025. Oh, Like yeah. at least. Oh, yeah. But it has been a while since we've done a good meaty anatomy and physiology episode. And I am so excited about this because I'm such an anatomy nerd. I love anatomy. I love anatomy. Gross anatomy, even though it was the hardest class I think I've ever taken in my entire life. But it was the most interesting. It was so fun. It was so cool. It consumed my life for three months, but it was it was incredible. It was like that's what's so hard to explain. It was the single most challenging yet best experience absolutely of my life if I could go back and take one class like the same level of stress like all that I would take gross anatomy 100%. again absolutely 100%. absolutely it's it's just so fascinating and it really when you see the body like that it gives you a whole new appreciation a whole new understanding and it really helps to shape the way you treat absolutely like just having that basic understanding of not only surface anatomy of like okay if I touch the shoulder here I'm touching this specific muscle but understanding like okay if my patient is saying that they have this kind of pain but it acts like this then I know that it's a nerve pain rather than a muscle pain and just like that whole oh my gosh it just it blows it just blows my mind it blows my mind I love anatomy so much the biggest thing it did for me was it gave me an appreciation for the complexity of the body of the of the body because you can look at a textbook all day long and textbooks are textbooks so everything is pretty and it's where it's supposed to be (laughs) and and everything is reflected perfectly so you can see this nerve and this blood vessel underneath and everything is so uniform and lovely and it's labeled for you and then you get into these cadavers and you get into multiple cadavers and you just see how vastly interconnected everything (laughs) is it's why that's why we say when you treat, you can't just treat the pelvic floor. You've got to look above You've and below treat because it's all connected. Because in my brain, I was like, this muscle will be right here. Like it isn't. And it's right. like, no, this muscle is fascially connected to the to entire everything. body. Yeah. This nerve. And for some reason, I had it in my brain that nerves were like these separate entities. Like this nerve was here and this nerve was right. here. <laughs> No, 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 no. A ner- nerves are just one long branching chain. Literally. Like that's it, it all comes from the brain. It is like think of like <clears throat> the brain is like your tree and then all of the ner- all of the nerves. All of the nerves are like the branches, the roots, the divisions off of that. Like it all comes from the brain and it is a mess, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple of TAs in our lab that were phenomenal. TAs but they would just like point at a nerve and be like what's that and I'm like it looks like a piece of spaghetti like, like I, I don't, don't know what know. you want from me right now like I thought like, that was this- some dried out fat <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is I thought that that was discardable tissue and they're like oh no it's actually it's this nerve and it does this and then our questions on the exam wouldn't just be like you know identify this structure it would be things like what motor function would be impaired if this structure is cut or damaged yeah so a little bit of appreciation for our practical anatomy exams we would go down into a into a basement with 50 dead bodies and we would take turns in groups going from body to body in like a 30 second window with a little tag on a tiny structure yeah. and the questions like that it's like if this is cut what muscle will not work properly yeah, or so what not, action right so not only did you have to know what that nerve was but then all of the muscles that it supplied and what those actions of those muscles were in like 30 to 45 30 seconds. seconds yeah that was it you you did it it wasn't just like you got to stand there and forever and think about it you got it. I live. Thankfully, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was. 
they were multiple choice, right? I can't remember. Yes. Some of them. Some of them were. Our quizzes yeah. weren't. Yeah, no, quizzes, quizzes weren't. weren't. But quizzes yes, weren't. I think it was it was multiple choice. Yeah. But it was such a great time. Um, we both like lived. We were actually tank mates. We, we Me and Rachel go way back. We do. <laughs> From the early days of PT school. We, yeah, she was, we were tank mates. It was the second tank. Yep. It was uh, what we're going to talk about today. It was it was the, the lower extremity that, that we were tank mates. And uh, I remember, so we had quizzes. And every now and then, like, depending on how many people you had at your tank, like you could, you were basically were only taking four answers. So if you had five people at your tank, somebody would step (laughs) out and the other people in our tank were just not on top of it as Kelly and I were. And so we like immediately connected. It was like, this has to be perfect. This has to be, and we like log eyes. We're like, like, yes, yes, we are on the same page. (laughs) Like this is, we are here. And so like when it came time to decide like, okay, who is going to step out, you know, for a lot of times it was just like, listen, I got two hours of sleep last night and I had to work on this other assignment. Goodbye. Like uh, you do not want my answer. <laughs> like you do not yeah. want my input for for this quiz. And but other times it would be like you get out. <laughs> like, we were never that aggressive about it. I don't know. There was times like neither of us are are like super confrontational. But the, I remember a specific time there was a quiz, and we just like looked at each other because no one was volunteering. And Rachel was like, "Listen." Just be honest. Which of you like didn't? Yeah. She was like one of. It was like two. She was like, which of you wants to sit out? Yeah. <laughs> you two can choose. One of you is leaving. Well, and it was like it was so obvious that we were the ones that had our stuff together too. So I was just like, all right, Kelly and I are staying. Like that's that's established. Like, we're not leaving. So it, which one of you three are going? It was not like. I'm not saying that Rachel and I were like the smartest people in the room. It was just, we were the ones who were like, okay, we're going to split this tutor. We're going to be in here. Like, okay, we're going to come back. We spent four, we had four hours a day in lab, but Rachel and I would come back after class. Okay, we're going to come back. We're going to clean. We're going to get a tutor these days of the week. So we were there and we were interested in it and we're both a little bit perfectionist so it's not that (laughs) it's not that we're just like super super smart we were just perfectionist control freaks and And we were like our other teammates didn't show up they're like hey we're gonna do this after class they're like oh Oh. i can't i was like you have nothing to do but be here like literally there's no excuse (laughs) this is your life this is it gross anatomy has consumed your life what do you mean (laughs) oh man that was so fun though I loved I loved anatomy so much it was was so good but so good while we were dissecting we got to learn all about the sciatic nerve yes oh and this is a monster of a nerve oh she big she is huge I remember they told they like there was this running joke because we're like we're we're children with scalpels in there like we don't know That was another shock. I thought we were going to get so much training. No. They basically go in there. They tell you to pull out your scalpel and just start cutting this body. So, like, you don't know what you're doing. You've no. never cut a body before. Right. It's, I mean, most of us had, like, some sort of dissection in, like, college anatomy. Yeah. But that was, I mean, like, we did fetal pigs yeah, we, in my I, anatomy lab. I had done two pigs before I dissected a yeah. human. Two pigs and a frog. Just a little different. It's just, a, just a little bit. And I, I remember that was, like, the most intimidating part is I'm, like, sitting there. But I was so excited. So my first tank, I was like, well, I'll make the first cut. Let's go. Yeah. And then you start realizing, oh, like you can easily cut through some of these smaller structures. But the sciatic nerve, it takes a lot. And so the joke was, if you cut the sciatic nerve, you automatically fail PT school. You're done. You're out. You're done. So not at our tank. (laughs) Because Rachel and I would have body blocked. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I did that one. Move. You were like, put the scalpel down. You can get some forceps and separate and clean you do not no, this other girl was about to cut like what was clearly a nerve like once you figure and we had been in pt school for like two and a half months at this point like it, it was we're, this was not day one we're toddlers with scalpels now yes. we're not fetuses yeah, right <laughs> we were at least toddlers it's like by this point you know what blood vessels look like you yeah. know what nerves look like you know what tendons look like and this girl in our tank mate was about to like slice through this nerve and i was like don't you dare move that scalpel another centimeter <laughs> because our in our tank ta he was so brilliant and he was so lovely and he was so smart and i was like we cannot disappoint him like this. <laughs> who was our tank ta that um was it aj or was it hunter no, uh, what was or... his name 
he lives here. He works here in Amarillo. I cannot remember his name for the life of me. I just, I use, AJ was like my first tank mate. So I used him yeah. for all my tutoring because he was yeah. really nice and yeah. he was really smart. And I needed, yeah, AJ like, was brilliant. Um, I cannot remember okay, his name for the life of me, but he was, he was so smart. I'm pretty sure he used to be a teacher and he like changed professions and then just like decided to go to PT school uh, and yes. he was so, yes. so smart. And was it Cameron? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Anyway, he was brilliant and he was like the light and joy of our day. And so I was like, we cannot disappoint him like this. You cannot go to him and be like, oh, I cut the peroneal nerve. He will look at you with such disdain. And it'll be on all of us. It'll be on all of us. I was yeah. like, no, you put that scalpel down. You're getting overwhelmed. You're getting careless. Go take a break. Look at, you know, let's switch, you know, because sometimes we'd have like one person just like reading off, you know, okay, so what do you find? Okay, you found the peroneal nerve. Great. This is what it does. It innervates mm-hmm. these things. Oh, okay. You're pointing at that muscle. Great. This is the actions of that muscle. And we kind of quiz each other. And so I was like, okay, you go quiz. <laughs> like you start, you, you don't go move. over some don't material, put the tools down, step away from the cadaver. <laughs> but not at our tank yeah but at one tank cut tank one tank cut both sciatic nerves both of them these nerves are like the size of a garden hose literally if you had no anatomy background whatsoever like I said by this point like you know what the nerves and the blood vessels and the muscles look like you know how to tell the difference you could blindly walk into that lab just off the street see a sciatic nerve and be like that's a nerve <laughs> and be like that's an important nerve because she thick like I should probably not cut that and and uh yeah they it got cut uh, both both yeah. of them both sides I just remember Dr. Daly another brilliant brilliant oh, man bless his heart I think he wanted to throw up. I really do. <laughs> I just remember because it was kind of diagonal to our tank. Yeah. And we're kind of like, I was like, Rachel, they got both. And, I was like, did, and he did, was did like, they just do what we think they did? He was like, it's almost impressive. Right. <laughs> Literally. Honestly. Like, okay, you cut it the first time. Really? Okay. Don't let's do try that. this. Let's try this again. Nope. Did it again. That's fine. It's all good. It's fine. It's Anyway, fine. but this is a nerve. I think everybody, if, if. I had to say, what's one nerve that everyone has heard of? It's going to be the sciatic 100%. nerve because so many people have problems with it. Like sciatica is such a buzzword. Yes. And I think any people kind of throw any kind of posterior leg or gluteal pain. Any leg pain. We call sciatic. Yeah. People, come in, they tell me they I have sciatica. And I'm like, okay, that can mean about 5 million Literally. different <laughs> things. So today it's just all about the sciatic nerve. What yes. she is, what she does. She is beautiful. She is talented. She is beauty. She is grace. <laughs> she is thick. She is thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Her, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but the sciatic nerve does play a role in pelvic floor function and vice versa. The pelvic floor plays a role in how the sciatic nerve functions. And so because it is such a big buzz word it's kind of a garbage bag term that sciatica or that sciatic nerve pain we wanted to talk about it break it down what does it do what you know what is so great about this about this nerve so I kind of broke it down into like some motor function and then the sensory function judging by the look on Kelly's face I think that's exactly what she did too (laughs) it is beautiful so the can you tell we went to the same PT school right (laughs) So basically, nerve, and we kind of touched on this before, nerves do one of two things or both. They are either motor nerves or sensory nerves, or they convey both. And so motor nerves, that's exactly what it sounds like. They are responsible for that motor function. So whenever you move anything, there is a nerve that is firing, telling those muscles to move at that certain time in that specific way. And that sensory function comes in basically from the outside. Anything that you feel, pain, touch, temperature, um, tickling sensation, all of the things that you feel are the nerves going from the skin or from that area back up to the brain. And so some nerves, some big thick nerves like the sciatic nerve, they carry both. 
Yeah. And the sciatic nerve, really what it is, is just a continuation of the upper part of the sacral plexus. If the term sacral plexus sounds familiar to you, it should, because that does pretty much all of our pelvic floor function, which is why the sciatic nerve is involved in pelvic floor function to some degree and why the pelvic floor can affect the sciatic nerve because it's just a continuation of that pelvic or that sacral plexus. And so this nerve is gonna start on the outside of your spine and then it's gonna travel through the pelvis, through the pelvic floor muscles, kinda into your butt or gluteal region down to the back of your thigh. It's kind of that pathway, and it's going to have continuations all the way down the leg. All the way down to your pinky toe. So, yeah. Which is one thing that I find so fascinating about this nerve is that, so the sciatic nerve itself, like the sciatic nerve proper, doesn't go all the way down to your pinky toe. It branches. It has a lot of different branches. And so you can kind of think of um, think of the sciatic nerve kind of like, you know, like a main highway and then all of the other branches are just the exits. Mm -hmm. And so it does eventually branch. It divides into the common fibular nerve. You might also hear this as the common peroneal nerve as well as the tibial nerve. And so that common, um, the peroneal nerve kind of takes a more... Um, takes a more posterior approach, so kind of towards the back of the leg, and then the tibial nerve takes a more anterior approach, kind of sort of towards the front of the leg, kind of sort of. The An interesting um, <clears throat> fact about that peroneal or fibular nerve, I almost equate it to like the funny bone in the elbow or yes. the ulnar nerve in the elbow. Yeah. So you know how when you hit your funny bone, you're, that's basically hitting the ulnar nerve. If you'll feel on the outside of your leg, kind of below your knee joint, you'll feel that in your leg, that bony prominent area. And then kind of around there, if you'll start palpating or pressing and kind of moving, you'll feel like a zinging, uncomfortable feeling. And that is your peroneal nerve. It's a pretty superficial nerve. Um, and so that's one that, depending on what's going on, we can have compression or damage to pretty easy due to its superficial nature. So some of the motor functions of this nerve, we're gonna have primarily some leg muscle motor innervations, specifically our hamstrings. So what a lot of people I think don't realize, I mean, I didn't really put this together till I had taken anatomy classes. The hamstrings are actually a group of three muscles. So we've got the biceps femoris, the semitendinosus, and the semimembranosus, or that group of hamstring muscles. And those are going to be innervated by that nerve. And then we also have some adductor muscles. The adductor magnus specifically is innervated by that sciatic nerve. And then the branches Rachel and I just talked about are going to go down and innervate most of the muscles of the leg and foot. I'm not going to break those down. Rachel, if you want to, you can, but because there's no, like, not a, at all. there's, okay, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a bazillion. There's a lot. <laughs> um, and I did, we did memorize those in PT school yes. and I had a million flashcards and I'm just not going to yeah. put you guys through no. that. If you're interested, go take an anatomy class yes. or get on physiopedia or something. Like, Cause go for it. You can really spend some yeah. time yeah. there. And, and of course, you know, the, the common peroneal nerve and the tibial nerve, they branch. They have other right. named branches. And so basically, all you need to know is that the sciatic nerve innervates the leg, all of it, the whole thing, the whole thing. Different parts innervate different muscles, but for the most part, it's all coming from that sciatic nerve. And so because of, we talked about where it leaves, how it goes from the back down through the pelvis, and we've talked about how much muscle is in the pelvic floor alone, but then you add piriformis, glutes, all of that, it leaves that nerve pretty susceptible to compression problems. There's a yes. lot of opportunities for this nerve to get compressed, whether that be at the back, down through the pelvis, down through the glutes, even the hamstrings. Yes. There's lots of opportunities for compression. Yeah. Nerves like 
movement and they like space. Yes. They do not like compression, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. So the way that I kind of think about it, and I've got a really good picture. I broke out my anatomy textbook from way back in the day, and there's a really good picture in here. I'll see if I can post it on our Instagram, but I love it because it shows the the sciatic nerve and then how it just kind of snakes its way through the butt cheek essentially and so we have a and this is kind of the way that I explain it to a lot of my patients too we have a rotator cuff of the hip the same way we have a rotator cuff of the shoulder and so if you think about it's it's pretty much these these really tiny muscles that attach along the sacrum um, kind of along the midline of of the low low back and then they wrap around to the hip joint to allow you to, you know, cross your legs, to step over something, to rotate in and out at the hip joint. And our nerves, they basically travel through our body kind of like vines. And so they snake their way and move their way in and out between muscle. And so like Kelly said, there's a lot of opportunity for those muscles to, or for that nerve to be compressed between those muscles. If you have any sort of hypertonicity, trigger points, knots, tension, inflexibility, within those muscles as that nerve travels underneath it you ain't gonna feel very good no not at all and some when that when that nerve first starts coming kind of together and starts descending through the leg it passes beneath a muscle called the periformis and then above a muscle called the obturator internus so I say it's kind of sandwiched between those two if those muscles sound familiar to you, you're like, where have I heard that before? You've heard them in our anatomy episode yeah. because those can be accessed through the pelvic floor. The yes, obturator internus is actually considered part of the pelvic floor and the piriformis is up for debate on whether or not it's pelvic to floor be muscle. Determined. Yeah. We're going to start a petition. Yeah. I it think it be. counts. Yeah. I, I think it does. If I can touch it internally, it's pelvic floor muscle. Yeah. <laughs> you got to kind of search for it. You kind of got to get back there to get to it. But, but there is literally a syndrome called piriformis syndrome and it is basically compression of the sciatic nerve by the piriformis muscle it can be associated with um, acute trauma like if you know if you fall and land on your butt or something like that and um, they may report that sitting or anything that requires that hip flexion kind of like anything that brings the knee towards the chest or internal rotation bringing the knee inward can aggravate that pain because that puts tension on that piriformis muscle that muscle already has you know some trauma to it and then you just tension that over that sciatic nerve even further it can cause some of that um, that radiating pain in that sciatic nerve distribution and so basically when we when we talk about sciatica it's kind of just again kind of a garbage bag there has become a garbage bag term for just leg pain specifically when it's related to the sciatic nerve it is posterior leg pain that can either travel down to you know just to the glutes the mid thigh the knee the ankle all the way down to the foot um and so that's kind of what we're what we're looking for but yeah this piriformis syndrome can cause that that pain I had a patient once who was had just you know we've been treating her this is when I was on my it was my very first clinical rotation and so I was there for maybe like I think it was towards the end I think it was towards the end maybe like the sixth or seventh week and we had been treating her for a while and just kind of looking through like her history like she had kind of one of those repeat offenders kind of thing like mm-hmm. had been back and forth to, to PT for quite a few years and just you know that back pain that sciatic pain she she used a cane to get around um, just because that that shooting pain would aggravate her so much so I was just doing some manual work on her and I found this good old knot right in that piriformis muscle and I was like listen you are gonna hate me for about the next 90 seconds give me that time and breathe and I think this is really gonna help and so I dug my elbow into her she was kind of a bigger lady too so like I kind of needed to get a little bit more force behind it dug my elbow into that piriformis muscle and I felt that not release like I felt that trigger point just release and let go and she about came off the table it hurt so bad but I saw her like once more after that and she was and without her cane walked into the clinic without her cane and she was like I don't know what you did last time but I have not had to use my cane 
in, in the last week. I have not touched it once. I've been able to go down to the mailbox and get my mail, which she wasn't able to do. She used to have to like make sure that she was in her car to get her mail. She was able to go get her mail. She was able to walk around more freely. She had gone to the mall, which she hadn't done in years because of this pain. And she was like, I don't know what you did. And I was like, I'm, I really didn't do anything. Like I just stuck my elbow on a knot, but it was, it can be that debilitating mm-hmm. and releasing that muscle can be that alleviating. Yeah. So that was really cool. So I had a similar kind of situation happen. This patient had had an injury back when she was playing, I think soccer, but she had had a fall or something and had some periformis trouble. And then after that, she'd had more pretty extensive trauma to that exact same area. And same thing, just classic sciatic symptoms, all the positive tests. And so I got to feeling around doing some palpation. And I mean, that piriformis felt like a rock. And so we tried a couple of things and those soft tissue mobilization techniques seemed to be helping. But I was like, let's get a little more aggressive with this. So we dry needled nice. the piriformis. And it was, it was magic. I mean, she was just like, I thought I would have this pain for the rest of my life. Cause I've had it for years. And she, she was almost in tears. Cause she was like, I don't know the last time I was pain free. And so it's, it's crazy how some of these techniques can work. And I think another reason kind of, we're talking about this with the pelvic floor, cause she also had some pelvic floor mm-hmm. dysfunction and we've talked about, Oh man, I can't think of the name of it, but essentially when you have that pelvic floor overactivity and it starts recruiting all the muscles around it, Mm -hmm. contributing to kind of global tightness or global upregulation, it can then lead to this piriformis syndrome. Now I'm not saying that every single case of sciatica or piriformis syndrome is a pelvic floor dysfunction. I'm just seeing, I'm just saying that clinically we see these go hand in hand pretty often. So... There's a lot of things besides piriformis syndrome. That's just another one. That's probably one of my favorite because it's the easiest it's to treat. So easy. It's soft tissue, yeah. which means we can fix it pretty easy and there is a fix. You can also have sciatica from bone spurs where that nerve exits, where the nerve root exits, um, from degenerative disc disease, which a note on that because this is like a soapbox. This is a little pet peeve I'm going to get after. And I think we've talked about it before, but just to reinforce it, because everyone who has back pain, who is over the age of 40 comes in and tells me, well, it's just because I have degenerative disc disease. And I'm like, no, it's just that degenerative disc disease. I hate that it's called a disease because it's just part of the aging process. It's not a disease. It's not a disease. It's the same, like to call it degenerative disc disease is literally calling it gray hair disease. Yeah. Gray hair is not a disease. It's just aging process. Same thing with disc degeneration. It's just part of the aging process. It's not a disease. Anyways, moving on. Herniated discs. So when that disc is bulging, putting pressure, we can have some sciatic, sciatic pain. And then lumbar spinal stenosis. So some narrowing of that area where the spinal cord is can cause further pain down the leg. And then... Uh, I hate this word. Spondylolisthesis. Nailed it. Thank you. And basically that is just when one of your vertebrae slips out of place or slips on the vertebra beneath it. And so that's going to cause some compression. Point there. The discs don't slip. The actual bone is unstable. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a slip disc. Well, that's another hole. We that's need a to, hole. Maybe we should just have a soapbox <laughs> episode where we get on here for three hours and talk about everything that pisses us off. Oh my. <laughs> With no further explanation. <laughs> no, your discs don't slip, but the vertebral bodies themselves, the actual bones where they are kind of stacked up on top of each other if one is like way far forward that's going to change a lot of nerve function a lot of sensory information can be pretty painful can feel pretty unstable um, and definitely put compression on those nerve roots that lead to the sciatic nerve for sure And my last little take-home nugget is this is the largest nerve in the body. So basically, it can become compressed at any point 
it can become compressed pretty easily. So anything that compresses or pinches this nerve can lead to sciatica, quote unquote, which is why that's such a like trash can diagnosis because literally anything can cause it. Yeah, there's there's so many different things, so many different things. And there are so many different ways to treat it too. It does not require, it does not necessitate surgery. Like just because you have low back pain and shooting leg pain does not mean that you need surgery. Um, does not mean that you need to have any, you know, a nerve stimulator or a, oh gosh, I mean, we've seen, we've seen all sorts of things. We've seen all sorts of things. Um, doesn't mean that you need to never lift anything ever, ever again. There are ways that we can combat this. I love treating nerve pain because it can ease up pretty quickly. As long as you find like where that compression is happening and ways to treat it, behavioral modifications, you know, treat the deficits. These people get so much better so fast. And nerves respond pretty well to treatment when there's not actual, when it's irritation, not damage, which is what sciatica is, is it's nerve irritation. They respond really, really well to treatment. And so when I was looking at what research said about the best way to treat this, a lot of it said it got better on its own. Yeah. And so it can be pretty painful and pretty uncomfortable. So a lot of times people are quick to rush into surgical interventions. Like maybe their MRI shows uh, a slight disc herniation. So they go and they have the disc shaved or, or whatever it is. And then they still might have the same pain after. And it's like, try some, like Rachel said, it doesn't always require yeah. surgery. And I think we should do an episode over imaging, like imaging yes. findings, just because sometimes when we hurt, we we want an immediate explanation. Yeah. It's like, why is this happening? And so then we get imaging done. And the problem with that is your problem may or may not be related to yeah. what that imaging shows. For example, there was a patient here at our clinic, not not one of our patients, but she was having, I think, hip pain on one of her hips, had an MRI. She had torn her ACL on the opposite leg. And the doctor was like, well, do you want me to fix it? And she was like, well, h- how long do you think it's been torn? He was like, oh, probably 10 years at least. And it was on the opposite. And she was like, do you think that's causing my hip pain? Well, no, but do you want your ACL fixed? And she was like, no 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 like let's see my knee doesn't hurt my other hip hurts actually um didn't even know that it was torn for the last 10 years so no and she had been like snow skiing and doing all these things and she worked with Camille and had great great outcomes because Camille's a phenomenal therapist and brilliant woman um so it was just kind of like imaging is great and it's an awesome tool for so many things but when it comes to dealing with pain specifically chronic pain sometimes that's not always the best way to get answers and or treatment and it can be so frustrating too like I have so many patients that are just like you know something is wrong something is wrong I'm just gonna go get an MRI gonna get you know all these scans and everything like that and we've talked about it before but I mean you could take a hundred people off the street and stick them all in an MRI half of them could have low back pain the other half nothing at all of the ones that have low back pain you're lucky if you get anything on that mri that shows what could be causing that back pain and for the people that don't have any back pain there's a good chance you're gonna find a whole bunch of stuff on that imaging too and so just because that mri or the ct scan or the x-ray shows something doesn't necessarily mean that that specifically is what is causing your pain or that you should be in pain because of it exactly like i i've i mean I've noticed this more so in some of the the older population that put a lot of emphasis and a lot of weight on those imaging results where it's just like, well, I was told that I have a slipped disc. I'm like, okay, great. Number one, doesn't exist. Number one, that's not a thing. But two, it's just like, okay, well, do you have any pain? Well, no, but it's there. Like, don't, don't let that imaging 
control you because yes. if you are, you know, I'm like, like that patient, she had no idea that she had a torn ACL for 10 years. Do you think that's going to stop her now just because she knows that it's torn? No, she's still going to go do it. All the other things that she's been, that she's been doing for the last yeah. 10 years. So just because that imaging may or may not show what is potentially causing your pain, just use that as information. That is not a diagnosis. That is not at the end all be all. You Use it to your advantage. Okay, you know what? Yes, I do know that I have, you know, a herniated disc or a ruptured disc that causes some of my pain, but I know how to manage it. I know how to do this. Now I'm going to go see Kelly and Rachel and Camille, and they're going to tell us how to do all of the things that we need to do. Use it to use it as a tool. Use it as information. Yes. Absolutely. What so, are we talking about again? We're talking about the sciatic nerve. So all that. How many soapboxes are we going to get on today? To, we're going to have to do an episode on imaging, <laughs> and, imaging and discs. Yeah, yeah. we're we'll just going to add that we'll to the there. list. Okay. Yeah. So what are some symptoms of true sciatica? Yes. Because sometimes people lump everything: low back pain, SIJ dysfunction, pretty much any uh, kind of pain back the hip pain. And they're like, "Oh, it's my sciatica." And I'm Lumbago. like, "Lumbago." That's my favorite. I'm like, mm, okay. So true sciatica symptoms, muscle weaknesses in the muscles we lifted before. So hamstrings, adductor, numbness or tingling in the distribution of the nerve. So the posterior leg. So if it's the side of your leg, if it's your anterior or the front of your leg, it's not sciatica. Sharp or shooting pain in that nerve distribution and tingling or pins and needles. Now, the, the catch to this is it could be one or more of these symptoms and two people with the exact same problem can present totally different. Their mm-hmm. nerve can be compressed in the exact same spot in the exact same way and they can present different. So it can, there's some variability in this. Um, but those are kind of the, the textbook hallmark symptoms. Yeah. Those are yeah, those are the big ones. Might have some changes in gait as well or standing posture. Um, a lot of patients that have any sort of irritation, inflammation along that sciatic nerve, there are certain movements that they will not do, that they will stay away from at all costs because they know that it's going to cause that pain. Um, and so that's like a big thing that we look at. As soon as we lay eyes on you in the clinic, we've started our evaluation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, how are they sitting? How are they standing? How are they moving as they walk back to the room with how me? How are they getting up? How are they from getting the chair? Up? Yep. How, how are they, are they sitting? sitting? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. We have some patients. Um, we talked about it before with some pudendal nerve involvement. They don't want to sit. No, they'll, they they'll don't like, want to sit. They'll do the whole two arms on the armchair. It's like just lower, like gently lower get, themselves, like way off that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, like I said, as soon as we lay eyes on you our evaluation is starting. Um, Your body language, your posture, your movement mechanics are already telling us a lot because you don't know. Well, now that I've spilled the beans, now that you know, but you don't know that that we're looking at you and we're analyzing your gait, that we're analyzing your movement patterns because you're not guarded. You're not thinking about it. But if I tell you, okay, you know, reach down and bend your, you know, bend over, touch your toes, you're going to be a little bit more careful in that movement. You know, okay, you know, they're watching me now, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so just seeing the patient kind of in their quote unquote natural environment, their natural movement mechanics tells us a lot about how they move and what positions, what movements they try to stay away from or what movements they like. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a student, and a little bit of a new clinician because they, they teach you to do that gait analysis. I mean, we're, we're kind of taught as part of our assessment, depending yeah. on, especially if it's lower extremity pain. So I tell patients, okay, now like walk across the room or walk across the gym, which then everybody immediately shoulders back. Perfect posture. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, that is not, and they're like marching soldiers. I'm like, nobody in there, like the marching band people yeah. march, like <laughs> nobody else walks like that. So kind of had to learn that one the hard way of okay people do better it's almost like um when you're breathing like if someone tells you to breathe you take a right. deep breath versus just like if you're sitting and talking then it's normal so you're consciously aware yeah. of it versus not so yeah yeah those those are a lot of things that we look at that can be a big clue as to what is going on you know mechanics structural involvement things like that I wanted to talk a little bit about some risk factors because 
if I was listening to this episode, I would be like, okay, well, that sounds horrible. How do I not have sciatica? So some things that you can do or some things that put you at risk for developing sciatica. Number one, just the aging process, which take that with a grain of salt. That doesn't, it just means you're more at risk. So you need to do more to stay active, stay healthy. Diabetes is another really, really big one because with diabetes, we see an increased risk of nerve damage. If you've got an increased risk of nerve damage, that means the biggest nerve in the body is probably going to be at risk. We see some neuropathy in those diabetic patients and it typically affects the lower extremity, the foot, the lower leg first. And we've talked about that's where those smaller branches of the sciatic nerve are. So if you're already kind of prone to some sciatic nerve issues, diabetes is only going to exacerbate that. Any job that requires a lot of lifting and twisting of the spine. And with that, we're talking about improper lifting mechanics. So lifting improperly, not activating your core, not using your legs, not doing all those things properly, that's going to put you at increased risk because of the way that load is going to get distributed. And working past your physiological limitations, Mm -hmm. I think is a big one too. It's like, oh, well, I have to lift this. So I have to do this for work. Great. Is your muscle strength, is your endurance, are you activating properly at eight o'clock in the morning when you first clock into your shift versus 455 when you're getting ready to leave right right like those those muscles wear during the day if anybody was able to lift heavy things for eight hours during the day i'd be impressed with proper mechanics and mm-hmm. proper activation the entire time i'd be impressed and so how do those mechanic cha- mechanics change throughout the day you've heard, heard us preach over and over and over again lifting is not dangerous improper lifting is yes and so that is what we're talking about here Uh, yeah absolutely um pregnancy is gonna be another pretty big risk Mm. factor Uh just due to laxity change in mechanics baby just bouncing on that nerve yeah so that's probably another reason rachel and i see a lot of this because we've got a pretty big pregnant population and we can help yeah Improper running mechanics was another really big one for piriformis syndrome. If you're, if you don't have, that's why I really educate my runners on the importance of strength training, because if you are not activating your core properly, if you don't have the hip strength, if you don't have the glute strength, then you are going to develop these muscle tightnesses, these muscle overactivities, overuse injuries further increasing your risk of developing sciatica a huge one a really really like probably one of the top ones that's modifiable is sedentary lifestyle so we talked about where that nerve ran down the back of the legs where do you sit you're sitting right on that sciatic nerve so if you just sit 24 hours a day if you sit for eight hours a day at work and then you go home and sit for three hours and watch tv and then you go and lay down in bed that's that's constant compression on that nerve. And we talked about nerves do not like compression. They like space. They like movement. So is that saying if you have a desk job, quit? No, I'm saying get up, move, um, go to the bathroom down at the opposite end of the hall instead of the one closest to you on your lunch break, do a couple laps, get up, move your body, try to move your body at least every hour where you're not sitting and constantly compressing the nerves. We've said it before. We'll say it again. We are not meant to be sedentary Mm -hmm. creatures. So move your body throughout the day. I'll even get like on long car rides. If I am driving, I'll get some like sciatic nerve. It doesn't like hurt. It's just like a weirdest feeling. It's just like a shooting Mm -hmm. down the back of my leg when I'm, when I'm driving because I've been sitting for so long. If I have to change over from like the gas pedal to the brake pedal, just that slight movement sends that shock right down my leg right down my leg I thought you were about to say I even like when I'm driving I like get out and stop every 30 minutes I was about I was about to be like shut up no no you know I do not I was like you already confessed to everybody (laughs) y'all know what I do I drive through the night on three monsters I was like well, like we don't lie to our listeners, no. <laughs> but yes, that makes sense. You get now, if that pain was significantly worse, then yes, maybe I would stop a little bit more frequently. <laughs> That's funny. And I'm the last, gaslight you guys. <laughs> and the last one 
is, and the last big one is smoking or other tobacco yeah, products. Exactly what I was gonna yep. say. Yep. Our nerves don't like that. No. So if you're still smoking in 2023 or using any other tobacco product, stop. Your, your bladder doesn't like it. Your nerves don't like it. Yeah. Your muscles don't like it. Your lungs don't like it. Your it's, body doesn't like yeah. it. Your yeah. So with all that being said, how can we treat this? So many things. The biggest, and I I cannot emphasize this enough, and I'm going to go ahead and read this because I found this on multiple, from multiple sources. Bed rest is not recommended. No. If it hurts, do not rest. Move. Strengthening your core, strengthening your back improving your mechanics. So, so treatment's really going to depend on what is the cause of your sciatic, uh, sciatic symptoms, sciatic, sciatic nerve pain. I give all of my patients who have sciatic nerve pain, it doesn't matter what the, um, causes nerve glides. I love nerve glides. My sciatic pain patients love them too. They are phenomenal. So the way that I kind of like to think of nerves is they're almost kind of like puppet strings almost. They don't have contractile tissue. And so when we contract a muscle, when we move our joints, that muscle, the muscle tissues, the fibers, they are actually contracting, actually shortening our nerves don't do that. They do not have that contractile tissue. And so when we move a joint, like our, like I said, you know, our, our nerves go from our brain all the way down to your pinky toe. So they pass through those joints. So if you're sitting there with your knee straight versus with your knee bent, the amount of slack and tension on that nerve in those two different positions is going to be completely different. And again, our nerves don't like compression. They like that slack. And so with these nerve glides, it's basically just kind of flossing almost Mm -hmm. of, you know, adding slack and then taking it away, adding slack and taking it away. It helps to just kind of floss that nerve just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It helps to alleviate a lot of that irritation, brings a ton of blood flow to the nerves. Your nerves need blood, Um, brings a lot of blood flow, brings a lot of that movement and that relaxation, and just kind of helps to glide it along that pathway. Sometimes those pathways can get a little bit sticky for whatever reason. Sometimes they just get sticky, whether you've been sitting all day, whether you've got some other things going on, but gliding that nerve along those sticky points can help so much to alleviate that pain. Love them. I have started adding in nerve glides to every single leg day. And it has dropped because I have a lot of neural tension. We don't sit a ton. We sit, I mean, we'll we'll like treat a patient, maybe sit and document for a couple minutes. So we're moving, but for whatever reason, I get a lot of neural tension in my sciatic nerve. And so I started noticing when I was doing things like deadlifts, Mm -hmm. I I was having a lot of what felt like quote unquote hamstring tightness. So I started adding in a nerve glide before every leg day and my motion was better. My movements were better. Beautiful. So there's these nerve glides are awesome. And another really cool thing that was going on while Rachel and I were in school is some of our professors were actually doing some research and they did these cadaveric studies where they injected these nerves with a colored fluid basically to simulate nerve inflammation irritation and then they did some manual nerve glides and what they saw was basically they were with by doing a nerve glide you were using the muscles to almost milk the inflammation out of the nerve and they were able to reduce Mm -hmm. that fluid away from and out of that nerve. And so when we do those nerve glides in our body, it's the same thing. And that's how I tell patients, it's almost like we're getting that space, we're getting that blood flow, all of that is milking out the inflammation from the nerve. And the nerve is happier, it's moving better, and it's gonna feel so much better. You're gonna move better, it's gonna reduce the pain. And so sometimes, that's a good way to test kind of, do I actually have hamstring tightness or is my sciatic Mm -hmm. nerve a little pissed off? Yeah. So. I love nerve glides. And it's really cool because there are so many different nerve glides for like every nerve in the body too. I've got a list of them somewhere. One of my, I just remembered that off the top of my head. One of my 
CIs had like a whole packet on nerve glides or pretty much like every nerve in the body. And so, but yeah, you're going to need to find I'm that. Gonna need to and find you're going to need to slack that to me immediately. <laughs> I will. I will. Thank you. It's like lost somewhere in my binders and books from PT school, but you can, depending on the pathway of that nerve, we have, the sciatic nerve is pretty simple. It goes from the booty down to the down to the foot. That's pretty much it. And so we can kind of use, you know, the the straightening and the bending of the knee and the flexing of the ankle. Well, when you get up to the arm and the shoulder, things get a little bit more complicated up there. We have the brachial plexus, which we've kind of touched on a little bit before, not super relevant to your pelvis. Um, but because of how those nerves travel, especially as they pass over the elbow and through the wrist, certain rotational movements can target certain nerves a little bit better. So I just find that fascinating like the different movements, the different types of nerve glides that you can do to target specific nerves and even specific branches of that nerve too. So it's good stuff. Your nerve glides are, are your friend. They are, they are. And another common thing I found for the treatment of sciatica was physical therapy. Yeah. So come see us. Come Or Camille or anybody else or Matt or whoever else is. Yeah optimal yeah literally any of the physical therapists here we love nerve glides we love treating nerve pain it is something that is easily treatable with physical therapy um and it and it can be one of those things like let's let's check it off the list you know let's check it off the list like you know there are some bone spurs that can cause sciatic pain are we gonna fix bone spurs with physical therapy no i wish we could but we're not. Can we address movement mechanics and behavioral modifications and other deficits? Absolutely. Can we reduce neural irritation? Yes, absolutely. There, there are so many things that we can do to treat that dysfunction and treat those impairments. Absolutely. Well, I love anatomy. I love anatomy too. That's why our anatomy episodes are always so long because we, I know, but they're so fun. Yeah, they are so fun. The more you know. And I think having a better understanding of the sciatic nerve can help our patients. Yeah. So like I said, I'll try to post a a picture of it. I really like this picture here just because it shows the big old sciatic nerve. It shows kind of that rotator cuff of the hip and it's got some pelvic floor muscles in there. It's got a booty hole in there too. So, I mean, if you don't want to see that, sorry, that's also in the picture. Um, It's got the pudendal nerve. It's got everything in here. I love this picture so much. So... Speaking of nerves, and we can cut this out if you don't want to, do we want this to be a series? Yes, a nerve I want this series. To, yes. Because off the top of my head, I just thought of another nerve that we should talk about next week. So let's do it. I will let you know next week if this will be like a three or a four part series. And we can intermix them too. Like yes. we can, you know, we can intermix them into all sorts of, of different episodes because they're honestly, we could do an episode on like every single nerve that branches off of the lumbosacral plexus and how yeah. it relates to your pelvic floor. Yeah. So stay tuned. Cool. You'll have to tune in next week to see if we follow through this with this idea of making <laughs> this a series. You'll have to find out. Just going to add a little mystery into your lives. <laughs> okay well that's all I had on the sciatic nerve that's pretty much all I had too it's big it's thick she does a lot um and it gets better it gets better better. if you've got some sciatic nerve pain go see a PT um come hang out I think my PSA for this week is if this is applicable to you stop smoking or using yeah. any other tobacco product. Honestly. Because truly. if we talk about the one most modifiable risk factor for everything, it's it's smoking. Yeah. So if you're still smoking, it's a new year, and you listen to this podcast, that is now your New Year's resolution. Yep. We made it for you. Yep. All right. Do you have a patient one? You go first. Okay. I'm so excited about mine. <laughs> I could tell the way you just like, do you have, I was like, do you have, do you have a patient one? Because like I have a patient one. I can go first, but like I was just going to, anyway. Okay. Let's hear it. Oh, deep breaths. Okay. So this is actually going to be related to the sciatic nerve Beautiful. and neural irritation. And this happened yesterday. And I love this patient. I love all my patients. <laughs> I say that every time. I'm like, I love this patient. It's my favorite patient. They're all different. Right. <laughs> every- <laughs> You're like, how many, how many issues like, does this girl have? I'm like, I have 200 different patients, and I say that, and I'm like, this is my favorite patient. This, this is, is my favorite actually patient. my favorite. They're all, anyways, okay. So this patient had some pretty, a pretty severe overactivity of her pelvic floor, which was causing horrible tailbone pain and sciatic pain to the point she could not 
sit down. Like she was sitting on a donut. She really could not sit for more than 20 to 30 minutes. So we've been working on the pelvic floor, been working on some piriformis, some glute, all of that. We've worked on mechanics and I gave her nerve glides because for that neural irritation and she's like, I'm a new woman. She was like, my husband's note. She was like, you're happier. You're moving better. And she was like, I sit down without even thinking about it now. And she was like, anytime I get a little bit irritated, I do those nerve glides and it goes away immediately and I'm fine. So sometimes it's that easy with the nerve glide. It just, it literally just goes away. Yeah. That is so huge too. Just getting that like that mental mindset shift of just her being able to sit down without even thinking mm-hmm. about it, without even being the least bit worried about anything. Mm-hmm. Like that is so big, especially when that pain kind of takes over your life. And then all of a sudden it's a, it's kind of like one of those things where you don't realize what, you know, how bad it was until it got better. Yeah. And so that's huge. Good for her. Yeah. Good I'm so happy. Her. So my patient, when I had this cute little pregnant lady, she's adorable. Um, this is her third baby. And I kind of tell my patients, I'm like, usually with subsequent pregnancies, you tend to get a little bit more lax. And just because, you know, that's just, that's just how our joints work. Like once they get kind of spread out a little bit, they don't always go back to that same amount of stability that they had in the first place. And so this is her third baby. So again, a little bit more lax, kind of starting to feel some of that sacroiliac joint pain a little bit earlier on in the pregnancy than she had previous pregnancies Um, but she got a belly band which she is loving we've been working a ton on core stabilization and just kind of some some pelvic isometric stabilization and she's doing so good she has not had any pain um, the last couple weeks she's not had any incontinence which she was having um, like pretty pretty early on in the pregnancy and she's not having any of that anymore so she is just thriving i love that so good so good i love it and i love how much you love treating pregnant women if you are pregnant please come see me like you have no idea how much i want to hang out like please come see me i literally don't care if you're not having any problems at all just come hang out come hang out rachel loves pregnant i love pregnant people i like treating pregnant women as well I think I like the postpartum phase a little bit more it's just more fun to me there's more you can do yeah there's more you can do but I love treating pregnant women well Rachel just like is obsessed with treating pregnant women I there's a couple like pre and postnatal certifications out there that I am seriously considering there's so much adding to my list I'm adding to my my repertoire yeah there's so much continuing education (sighs) I want to do I come so the hardest part about I think doing any kind of like continue like so upper level education so we both got our doctorates the hardest part about that for me was the more educated I became the more I just realized I don't know anything literally I was like there's I I I get through and they're like here's your doctorate like I passed the test I'm a physical therapist and I was like but there's so but there's so much this is just like the surface like where there's I I don't know this I don't know are you sure I'm good more there's so much out there that so and I like this episode because I or not this episode but this show because it continues to push us like yes like we have roughly 500 listeners per episode and so it's like we've got to stay up to date on our stuff and so that's something that I've loved kind of that continuing like push or drive to keep learning and I kind of love that we have to do continuing educations to keep our license up because I'm like there's so much more I want to learn and I want to keep learning and I want to come and share with you guys on this podcast (laughs) I just want to do all of these all the things and it's just oh we have we have so much fun and so thank you for listening thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this we do the show for you guys we love you so much this is our heart and soul, our pride and joy. Yes. We've got a lot of big things that we want to do for you guys this year. Um, and Hopefully so just, some just fun things. thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Subscribe. Leave us ratings, reviews. Um, follow us on Instagram at Pelvic Service Announcement. We are also on TikTok um, at Pelvic Service Announcement. We're going to try to get a little bit um, more creative over there yes. as, as the weeks go on. But 
we've got, like I said, we've just got some big stuff coming. So please share if you, if you liked this episode, if you want us to do more anatomy episodes, please let us know. Um, our PTs and PT students out there, if you want, um, we could even wrap up with like some board type questions too, kind of related to pelvic floor, anatomy, things like that. Um, I think I'm over my PTSD a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I think I can look at my board exam prep book without bursting into tears at this point so i don't know that i'm there yet (laughs) no just kidding man maybe we should talk about that a little bit in the next episode we'll talk about what that was like yeah we'll have a board exam the board exam we'll do yeah we'll we'll give you some board exam practice questions and we'll talk about what that experience was like for us because there there might be one or two pelvic floor questions on there 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 were on there were on mine i got a few yes literally i was like i know this Okay, side story real quick. I remember we did a prep course for uh, the board exam. We had like somebody come in like from score builders and we just so happened to get a practice question on the pelvic floor and her answer was wrong and I was I remember that so Rachel almost ripped this lady into shreds in front of like a hundred people. Rachel was like (laughs) actually well because that is wrong and I was like she didn't and I was like well no she goes she was asking like what a good treatment for like stress incontinence was and it was and she basically and I like raised my hand and I was like biofeedback and she was like and or or said something like that and she was like well no kegels and And I was was like excuse me Rachel's like if you will please sit down I will come to the front of the classroom and explain to you why you are wrong I was about to come out of my seat I was like you need to stop teaching that because that is incorrect and you're gonna hurt a lot of patients if you tell people that if you tell future physical therapists that kegels are the only way to fix incontinence I didn't say it exactly like that but I was like no actually it depends on what is actually going on with those pelvic floor muscles because if they're overactive and you have them do kegels you're just going to make that problem worse I was livid yeah she yeah Rachel was unhinged when that happened and And I I remember like like, I looked across the room at Callie because I was like could you believe this and and I was like listen I just got here like I'm just I'm new to this game um I'm super interested in it but like (laughs) you've been aggressive from the start but like from day one I'm like yeah like you I'm like sitting there quietly like I'm like yeah no I agree she's like we should say something and I was like I will not be doing that (laughs) but but you go for it thank you I'm pretty sure I put it on like we did like a review like survey like at the end of the course and it was like what would you change and I was like the pelvic floor section this poor woman went home and cried herself to sleep I was not that aggressive no she wasn't (laughs) Rachel was professional she was very professional I'm just a little more like introverted (laughs) and so I would have never but good for you Rachel I'm glad for I'm glad that you advocate for our field. Listen, I'm just trying to make everybody's pelvic floors happy and healthy, okay? And I just told people in this episode how we weren't confrontational. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not confrontational. I'll fight anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thanks for listening to this longer episode, too. Love you. <laughs> I know whenever we get into anatomy, we can just go and go and go. But, um, yeah, I... Hopefully we'll have a really fun anatomy one for you next week because there's another nerve that we all need to know about. So you'll have Mm -hmm. to tune in next week. You'll have to wait. (laughs) Bye.